Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the founder and lead consultant for Troubling the Waters Consulting Company. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I changed my title because that's my actual job. I know. That I do. But yes, I am a consultant for faith-based organizations doing essentially kind of like diversity, equity, inclusion kind of uh, consulting with people. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's interested, check it out, troublingthewaters.com. That's my website. Um, But even more important than that role, I am the co-host of the one and only Faith to Go podcast, With you, Charlotte. That's right. Only with you. Highlight of the day. We're here to talk about this, the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, uh, proper 20 uh, in year A, that's September 24th, 2023. But before we get to that gospel discussion, we have an exciting God sighting. That's right. That sounded cool. Actually, I think if I'm correct, we're going to throw it to Greg, our fabulous producer, in Uh just a moment. But if I'm correct, and I remember what Greg said to us when he was describing his experience this Uh morning, Uh is it's actually a God listening. Oh, right. Is that right? It is a God listening. I'm using all of my senses. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, David. (laughs) Thank you very much. Welcome to a microphone. (laughs) It's it's a strange and wonderful thing. Yes, absolutely. A God listening. You know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here at the Diocesan Center in Ocean Beach, which is this beautiful bohemian part of San Diego. And with that bohemian vibe comes differently abled people, differently housed people. And one of the ways that we as a diocese support them and offer dignity is to provide mail service for them. It's an important time and it's an important place and it's an important task to offer mail service because of all the reasons that you can imagine. And every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and specifically Mondays when we are setting up this recording equipment here at the Diocesan Center, we get to listen to Deacon Daniel Uh and Jeff, uh, who's the facility manager here, greet everybody by name. And there's a wonderful line that I got from uh, Into the Wild to call each thing by its right name. And what they do is every Monday and Wednesday and Friday when they offer mail service, they greet our guests by name. Good morning, Sarah. If Daniel is really starting to feel his confidence, he gives the honorific of Mr. Patterson, Ms. Jacobson. And it's a wonderful gift. I think it's very special. We all remember that we were given a name at birth Some of these names are chosen names, and I think that that's desperately important to remember when we talk with people, because people aren't just the dude with a sign. Mm -hmm. They aren't just the person on the corner. They're not somebody that you walk past and giving that dignity and honoring that person with that name that they have chosen, that they embrace as their own, is a wonderful, simple way to show God's love. Yeah, I love it. And it's such a reminder of how we live into our baptismal covenant each and every day, Mm -hmm. um, respecting the dignity of every human being. And Daniel does that, oh my goodness, all the time in every interaction that he has with the world, but particularly in the mail service. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, David. For sharing. And we would always love to hear from you all, any of your God sightings, or any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can find all of the ways to get in contact with us listed in the description for this episode. Those being emailing us, faith2go at eds.org, or you can contact us through Instagram at faith2go. Direct message us, tag us in a post of your own. If you'd like to show us something, we'd love to hear from you in any of those ways. So now we're going to get into the gospel for this upcoming Sunday again, uh, September 24th, proper 20 in year A. 
The gospel reading is Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll have some context, and we'll each have a point. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. All right. So here we are in Matthew 20. We've jumped ahead a couple chapters from from last week. And Jesus has started moving down to Jerusalem for uh, the big the big entry into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, triumphal. you might say, mm-hmm. um, which is in the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 21. So he's getting close. He's left the region of Galilee, his home region, where he's been for a long time and is heading on his way down to Jerusalem. So he's in Judea. He's in the, in the region where Jerusalem is located. So he's getting closer to that, that big epicenter of Jewish life and the big temple, which we'll hear about a little bit next week because Jesus is going in and out of the temple, messing stuff up. But that hasn't happened yet. Uh, Don't get ahead of yourself, Don't get ahead of myself. That would be terrible. Spoilers, sorry, (laughs) for the temple thing. He does does some stuff in the temple. Anyway, that's where we are. Charlotte has the first point. I do, I do. And I was thinking about this part at the very beginning, in the sense that the landowner was out hiring laborers for the field. Mm -hmm. And those laborers were grumbly. And you know, David, from our history of being together, that I do enjoy it when people get grumbly in our gospel readings. I always feel like it's, you know, got something to say. You love a grumble. I do. Mm -hmm. Not in my home life, but on the gospel, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but thinking about it through the lens of what it means to labor. And obviously, we are talking about laboring in the field, which is very difficult work. That is something that still goes on in this day and age, very often for migrant workers. And we know that that scorching heat and the intensity of the work is abysmally difficult. Like it is beyond the scope of what most of us have to do in the course of a day. And I don't want to minimize what it means to labor for something. But what came up to me when I was reading through the gospel this time was the difference between seeing something as labor and having it be your vocation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that comes up for a bunch of different reasons. 
let's talk about it through the lens of what the dictionary says about it. Hey, I know. Love the dictionary. I know. But I was thinking about this word vocation. And so I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Uh More than the definition of it, there was, there's always this section at the bottom of it that says, did you know? And did you know, David, that when vocation was first used in English in the 15th century, it referred specifically to a summons from God to perform a particular task or function in life, especially a religious one. This meaning is no surprise given the word source. It comes from Latin, vocation, vocatio, meaning summons, which in turn comes from vocare, meaning to call. Vocation also has a secular position in the English language as a word for the strong desire to do a certain kind of work, or as the word for work itself, making vocation a synonym of the words calling and occupation. And that's the part I was thinking about. Because really, if we think about this parable, we know that parables are not always easy to enter, and that there are layers to understanding them, for sure. And I'm wondering about what this labor has to do with being in relationship with God and the ways in which sometimes, perhaps, um, Christians come into relationship with God in different times and different seasons in their life. And people who are more devout practitioners, Mm -hmm. I'm using that word loosely, um, (laughs) perhaps sometimes hold judgment on people who are connected either later or vicariously, but connected in a different way. And naming the fact that if instead, instead of viewing it as a place to come into our relationship with God as judgment and taking other people and using that judgment to separate them from their relationship with God, instead there's this opportunity to think that we're all called in different ways. God is always calling us. Uh And the landowner in this is the perfect example of that because the landowner didn't go out and call the first group of people and be like done, Uh right? He kept going back. He went back not once, not twice, not three times, but he went back all the way out until five o'clock, which is when most of the work is already done for the day. Uh That God is always calling, Uh always calling. And that sometimes we are not ready to answer the call. Uh Um, And that sometimes we are called to something that makes us uncomfortable or hesitant, Uh and we need an openness to be willing to do it. And And actually, this is something I think that may come up in next week's gospel too. But the fact that there's this cracking open Mm -hmm. that happens for us in it. Mm -hmm. And I love the beauty of that. I love the idea of thinking that each person is called into relationship with God whenever they are called. Mm -hmm. And that we are all called to do different things. You might be called um, to being someone who works for justice in the world. You might be called as someone who is serving others or in Christian formation, but you may also be called in your everyday life in the way that you care for your family in the way that you care for your yard. Like all of these things are opportunities to be in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And we discount them if we only view them as labor and not as vocation. Mm -hmm. And so the last thing I want to offer today is there's this beautiful book. It's called Every Moment Holy. Um, And you and I chatted about it a little bit, and I encourage people to peruse it because there is a liturgy and a prayer for just about everything you can imagine, including one, no, two, for the changing of diapers. (laughs) Maybe that's your calling, David. Oh, no. (laughs) You don't think so? That's just my labor. It's not my vocation. Okay. No. 
Maybe it, no, it is my vocation. It's both. Yeah. It's both and. Um, but there's one that's called A Liturgy for the Labors of Community. And I'm not going to read through the whole liturgy, which is just two and a half pages, but I want to share with you the closing of it. And that is this. Let all that we do here, and these are brief lives, in this our brief moment to love, in this the work you have ordained for this community, flower in winsome and beautiful foretaste of greater glories yet to come. So nice. My point is about the last, I think, two verses, maybe one verse. No, it's two verses because it's in verse 15. Last two verses of this, of this reading. After this whole thing happens, and the, the landowner is having this interaction with the hired workers and the grumbling. I was reading a, um, a commentary that I like. It's called Sacropagina. What I like about the commentary is that they do a lot of good word study, I think. I found it when I was in seminary, and I always liked the approach to the translation and the language studies that were in it and the, and the textual notes that they would have around the language it was, it's interesting because they, I think, are doing their own translation, so they're not using another translation. They're translating it themselves and translating it very literally. Mm-hmm. They're, tra- they're doing a very literal translation, so you really get a sense of the actual words that are behind it, you know, because when a lot of things will, trans- will be translated in the way that they're, they may have been meant to be heard, like colloquially, like turns of phrase and things like that. But I was struck by this because after reading through the NRSV translation and then going into this commentary and reading it, the last line uh, in here says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? When I read the translation in Sacrapagina, it says, or is your eye evil? I was like, what is this? This can't be right. Uh, What's this thing about an I? That wasn't in the NRSV at all. But that's how the NRSV is translating envious. Is your I evil? Is your I malicious? It is like literally this word, poneros. It's like, it is this word for evil, wickedness, maliciousness, you know? It's so interesting. So I was thinking about that idea, this idea of envy, this idea of like the way that you're seeing things is like evil in some way, which is a strong statement. I was really struck by it and I really love it and just like kind of unpacking that idea. Thinking about the way that like it's just the general disposition of this group of people that are so they're angry because everyone is getting the same amount, right? And and they're feeling like they deserve more than everybody else. And so they have a sense of injustice. But their injustice is based on their perception of what they deserve and what other people don't deserve. The landowner is saying, it doesn't affect you at all because I'm not, I'm not shorting you what I told you I would pay you. And so their frustration, their anger, isn't that they don't get what they need, but that other people are getting the same as them for doing something that they, for doing less that they, than they did. And it is interesting because it is, is the same kind of sense and perception of the world that undergirds so much of the problematic realities of our of our society and our culture and the way that capitalism kind of forms how we understand things there's kind of like a meritocracy that they're living into where it's like you only deserve what you earn and you only deserve what you work for and if i work more or longer or harder than you i deserve more mm-hmm. And it's interesting because 
that way of thinking makes a lot of sense, I think, to a really privileged person. But then to a person who does not have as much privilege, it, it really makes no sense. Because what does a person that was born with all these capacities or a certain skin color or a certain status, social status or a certain amount of generational wealth, like how did they earn any of that in any way? As a society, we like reward people who have a certain set of skills and decide that they deserve more than other people that have a different set of skills, a different approach to the world, right? So like just at the most basic level, it's like if you... If you can do something that you can monetize, then you're worth more mm -hmm. than somebody else, you know? So that like tech startups and being able to monetize your time is more important than something super creative or arts-based or something like that. I'm just thinking about this idea of like when, when the landowner is saying like, why are you trying to tell me what to do with what is mine? It makes me just think about how like literally everything that anyone has, has not been earned by them. It's been given to them. That even like my ability to study hard, to sit down and concentrate, my ability to have an idea, to be intelligent, you know, to think of a new idea and be able to monetize it, I didn't earn any of those capacities. Those are all things given to me, right? But we don't think about it like that. We think, well, I can do this better than that person, so I deserve what I get, and they don't. You know, and it's just so crazy to think that way because because it's just not true. It's not true. It's helpful then to think about this idea of like the way you're perceiving the world can be destructive because to see the world like that really does hurt people. You know, like this word evil is I is I think indicative of like an action that is hurting other people. And so I think it's like this invitation to examine how the ways we're perceiving the world, we're perceiving our own worth and other people's worth are malicious, you know, and are evil and are taking and are like warping the way that Jesus talks about justice and equity and the way that he's very clearly saying in here that everybody deserves the same amount no matter what their capacities or how long they worked or when they arrived or when they showed up. And that goes for so many different things in the world, you know. How many people in the United States believe that they deserve, they deserve more because they were born here? Mm. They deserve more than people who immigrated here when they were 20 years old, you know. Like, that's crazy. You didn't earn the fact that you were born in this country, you know. And so we should be sharing exactly, equally, everything that we have based on this parable. So it's just that kind of, that kind of questioning of Jesus to see, like, this the idea that your, your perception, your eye is evil, you know, is malicious. It really is indicative of the fact that the ways we see the world, the way we see other people, has real consequences in life, mm -hmm. you know, because it changes how we act and how we respond to people's needs and and the policies we make around equity and, and inequity, you know, and how we respond or don't respond to those inequities in the world. So, Yeah. Well, and while you were talking, um, I flashed to something that came up for me the other day, which was a Facebook memory. I know. Um, mainly the only reason I keep Facebook is for Talk the Talk about capitalism. I know, right? But this glorious memory came up, and it was from 2020, a time when 
you don't necessarily associate a lot of mm-hmm. good memories coming up. But I was teaching spiritual nurture at Christ Church Day School, and we were actually doing the Beatitudes. We were mm-hmm. doing like a six-week study on the Beatitudes, and part of that was the difference between scarcity and abundance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the invitation to the students was to use all of their senses um, to describe what they thought God's abundance felt like, like the abundance of God's kingdom could feel like. And this third grader reflected um, and said, It's like when you are sharing the most delicious piece of blueberry cake Mm -hmm. with a friend Mm -hmm. and then someone else comes up and there's enough for them too. Mm -hmm. There's enough for everybody. And that's just what you were talking about. Like it just totally reminded me of it. Yeah. It's like at the end, the landowner is saying like, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm -hmm. Like there is a, a world, there is a reality in which you rejoice because everyone has what they need. And that is ultimately a reflection of your perception of the world, that you are able to change, like that you have the capacity to change. You know, mm-hmm. If they were flip-flopped, they're all just day laborers. They have the same social status as the thing. <laughs> like It's totally random that one group was taken and earlier than the other. It's, it would have been totally possible for the situation to be flipped and have those last been first. And that's the idea of the last being first, is that it's all equality. It's not that there's going to be this like huge f- reversal. It's the fact that everything's going to be flattened. You know, In the kingdom of heaven, it's all flattened, so that there is no first and last. Well, those are our two points for this week. If you had a point, we would love to know what your point would have been if you'd been on the, on the pod this week with us. Uh, point number one was Charlotte's thinking about the difference between vocation and labor and thinking about all the ways we are called and all the vocations that we embody in our life and how they're all working towards this beautiful goal of the kingdom of heaven in, in big and small ways. And mine was about the last couple verses, thinking about what is ours and what is God's, what we've earned and what has been given to us. And about the way that our perception of the world has real significant consequences uh, in terms of of equity and justice and wondering how our eye is evil sometimes. Mm. We'd love to know any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. We'd love to know a God sighting if you had one, either a consolation or a desolation. Um, you can find all those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the, the description for this episode. We used two references, I'd say. Number one, Every Moment Holy. Mm-hmm. So we can put some information about that book in the description. And Sacra Pagina, which is a series of, like a commentary series. So uh, we can put a link to that in the description as well if anybody's interested. Charlotte yes. also used the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I did. Mm-hmm. And we read from the New Revised Standard Version of the Gospel. So we'll be back next week to talk about Proper 21 in year A. That's for first Sunday in October. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.